0: Give that shit up, you're gonna concentrate on golf.
1: If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball.
2: Great moments are born in great opportunity.
3: You play ball like a girl! Thanks. Welcome to this week's edition of a Roy Orbison Tattoo Podcast with me, Colum, and my co hosts, Bossy and Paul. This is the coaching podcast with a difference. We watch a movie, it might help if you watch it too we get a special guest on, and we discuss the coaching from the movie and how it relates to our own experiences. So whether you're in the car, out for a run or a walk, or just using us to cancel out the noise from the kids in the background, we hope you enjoy. Welcome everybody, and this week we're joined with Mossy and Paul, as always. Welcome lads. How are you then? How are you all?
2: How are things?
3: Uh, and i am like to say we got Mr. Mickey Quinn with us as well uh, tonight. So welcome Mickey. Thanks for having me. Cheers lads. You're welcome. Uh, like I suppose, first of all, you've uh, your intercounty. You've played played at, a, at top level, but you've you've also been involved with a bit of the coaching and stuff like that. And can you give us a background on how you got into that? Because I know a lot of people probably you would have came to prominence over lockdown a small bit with some of your coaching skill things. Um, like where did your coaching journey start? Let's say.
1: I suppose yeah, probably my coaching side of things when I came back from Australia. And um, I was I was late, kind of been letting know that I wasn't going to be kept on and it kind of meant that I kind of had a bit of a gap year between trying to tee up college and it didn't happen as quickly as I would have liked and as a result I ended up doing a year um, as a GDO for Langford going around to primary schools and probably had done a bit in of- something similar in Australia and um, that was one of the things community-based work that every second uh, Wednesday the month you could be going out to schools or different different communities doing a bit of coaching and I enjoyed that and it kind of helped me probably pick when I did come back to, to study EP and maths teaching in DCU so yeah I got a real taste for that and uh, just kind of in- enjoyed the kind of the coaching side of things and I've probably been lucky enough that with my experience um, and the different teams I've played in, um, I've had some phenomenal coaches, like from from Niall Moyna to Sean Boylan to Glenn Ryan, um, and then some of the coaches with the international rules teams. Um, and then going back to Australia as well, like I've loads of different uh, nuggets that you could pick from different coaches. And I suppose from that, um, I kind of probably developed different ideas and and philosophies on, on what my coaching style is or was and uh like probably from teaching it now it's between creating a fun and competitive environment and everything kind of is based around that whether it be teaching or coaching that um you know if you can make it fun and competitive for whatever age groups you're working with it goes a long way and I suppose that was probably some of the videos and bits and pieces um, that I would have put up during lockdown was the different skill challenges that, you know, sometimes having really tough ta- tasks to, to try and achieve can be a great way of kind of improving to try and target it rather than oh that's an easy one um let's do that and kind of incremental improvements so yeah you're just trying to come up with different ideas and different think outside the box a little bit and I suppose that's what lockdown probably helped with with those videos.
3: Very good, we, I won't ask you to name your favourite coach of all those fellas you've worked with. <laughs> um, Not that that many of those fellas might be listening but I suppose and you can see similarities to yourself just as you were saying that now to the the show or the the show you've picked um, about going to a foreign (laughs) country new sport and being thrown in coaching Um, you want to just go through what you picked and why you picked it
1: Yeah I picked Ted Lasso um, probably came up kept popping up on you watched the first episode uh, an American football coach that um He's after been hired to take over a premiership team, um and probably hired for the wrong reasons. Um, but he jumps in with both feet and look at probably the similarities don't doesn't stop there with the the foreign country. The love for biscuits um is is there too. So but haven't got the same mustache or struggle with that. That's the the only thing, but no, look, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's real cheesy uh, comedy kind of humor, but there's, there's loads of little nuggets from the coaching side of things. And even the personal skills side of things that, um, that you can take from it. And that's something that um, your, your top coaches that you even hear um, Conor Lafferty at the moment, talking about Mickey Moore and, do you know, he's talking about Mickey Moore and the, the person, not Mickey Moore and the, the manager. Like what he done for his family and those players, and it's a bit similar to the probably the kind of persona that Ted Lasso has. That it's it's not just a, a football coach. That there's there's more to the coach and there's more to the players than uh, than 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 that than than football. Like, Ted Lasso, I think,
3: it, I think it originated, I don't know, was it around 2000, was it a couple of years ago anyway, there was a couple of ads. I don't know, was it, uh, Massey? you might know better. But it, was, it was, yeah, it started off as an ad, and they obviously, that got such good feedback that they ended up doing the TV show. It. But, um, like, as you mentioned, there, there's, there's lots of different little nuggets in it, you know, for a comedy and for something really easy to watch. If you actually did watch it with a coaching view, there's, there's just so much content um but I thought the, the most important part of it as well and it's something that, that Paula spoke about it more so than myself and Massey but the, the kind of soft skills that um that he has that it's not about the externals the on the pitch that it's the off the pitch kind of stuff um and that's what that's what I thought stood out the most out of the show anyway, myself
1: yeah and I think it's, it's probably a good way of describing it those soft skills like it's and, and they're the kind of skills that they're very hard to describe. They're kind of, you know, even listen to different people talk, talking about different coaches and that. And it's like, oh, what made him so great? And people really struggle to put their finger on it. Why a coach is so good or what he, it is. Um, and it's little things like that, that, you know, it's the arm around the shoulder or those little conversations that, you know, how's all at home and you know, how's work going and, and it's kind of that, you know, that personal side of things that I think that it's probably, it, it, it goes amiss a lot that everyone gets so caught up and as you said, X's and O's and um that, oh you know, we're training Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, this week and it's, you know, everything's a football, football, football and improvement and, you know, like, one of the things that I was always told um, with um, a, a development officer when I was in Australia was that, you know, you get off field right first and everything else comes, comes uh, on field. And that was something that kind of hit home that, you know, if you're happy off field, everything on field will take care of itself then, you know, and that was, that really kind of it resonated with me. And you can kind of see that, you know, the, the people that have things together off field are are usually the ones that have it together on field too. Um and and there's a lot to be said for that side of things.
2: Yeah for, for me a lot of them soft skills and are are really, really impressive. Like like just we'd say probably the most important relationship in it is is relationship with with Nate. And like Nate doesn't actually realize throughout the show what Ted Lasso was doing for him. You know and like the very first episode like Nate is a groundsman and like Ted goes up and asks him what's your name you know and he's just constantly being bullied by everyone else in the show but Ted comes up asks him what's his name and it's nearly like what are you even talking to me for like I'm just here doing what what Nate felt were menial jobs but are far more important than anyone can you like you can't really put a value on it. And then like even when he lets him do his kind of a set play going yeah, yeah just run with that and, and anyway they get a goal off and then Nate's ego starts to take over and you know, like it's it, it's disappointing that that he kind of didn't realize how much Ted was doing for him and I suppose he ended up going rogue on, on Ted and towards the end of season two and kind of nicely set up for season three to be a his uh his enemy on the on the sidelines. But it was just that that relationship between between Ted and Nate is, is one I thought was was really strong because a lot of time coaches are doing things and saying things in the background like the really good people are doing it with the long term aim in mind. And sometimes now Nate was the groundsman or groundsman come coach. He didn't realize at that stage how much was being done for him. You know, unless some and Sometimes a lot of players are like that they only can see this week of training Tuesday, Thursday and a match Saturday and they can't look look beyond that sometimes Um, and I thought that was that was really important
0: He took on the mentor role really did he with Nate Um, but just just forget about the coaching everything about that for a second it's one of the best TV shows you'll ever see like it's brilliant it's just like I've watched it twice first time watched it during lockdown um isolating whatever it was and then the second time when I knew we were coming up to this I just put on the tv with my wife one night I said should I watch this for five minutes see what it's like and she just got hooked on it straight away and didn't realize that I was just doing a bit of research for the story really, to be honest with you. but it's it's just it's just class it's like it's probably one of the best tv shows I've watched it's that good and it's great but the amount of learnings you get from it um, when you watch it then, sort of with a more critical eye, it's just brilliant. Like, like, like the one thing I really took from it was is that doing the right thing is never the wrong thing. In terms of looking after people, if it's if it's as again, it's a long term thing rather than a short term
1: goal, but it's um a super super. It's it's probably the second time Mossy watching. It's probably there's you're picking up twice as much stuff Um, I think the first time the comedy the 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 city side things yeah yeah, uh, you're kind of caught up on that side of things but I'd say a second time around when you're actually looking at it from from a different uh, perspective really does hit home and probably the one for me was um, just I think with everyone it it kind of shows most TV shows that like you'll have your your protagonist or whatever the to show on both sides, but I think it showed in, in general, whether it be coaching or life, um, everyone has their own struggles going on, and if you go through every single person whether there be father issues with your man, uh, Jamie Tired, um, And I think it's the same with Nate the Great too. Issues from from, from childhood issues as well. Um, Coach Beer. Um, you know, you see everyone is kind of battling their own little uh, battle behind the scenes, you know, when they come home from work every evening or get up first thing in the morning, Everyone has something else going on that, um, you know, like, people kind of just push it aside and just get on with whether it be work or whether it be sport and kind of close that door and try and completely separate it and I think probably something that even Ted probably tried himself with the panic attacks and that and his marriage breaking up that you kind of shut that door and and, and don't talk about her, or don't cross over the two paths but it really does show that um you kind of have to be able to to marry the two or be able to, to to link them rather than just drawing a line in the sand they're they're not two separate things and um, that you have to be able to to kind of manage them and talk about them.
2: But like it does it does show like with the with the marriage breaking up and and, and the panic attack it does really show we'll say that dark side of coaching and the dark side of of elite sport where there's kind of bodies strung all over the place to, to an extent, you know and, like, if you go back to the very first scene and, we we'll say, the coach who was leaving, and I remember, they memory, like, he grabbed his balls or something and he, he made a load of references towards women and, like, that toxic masculinity. And I suppose that's, we'll say, where sport is, we'll say, male elite sport is kind of coming from. But it's trying to get to a more holistic, more caring side of things where... Ted Lasso is the type of person you want to be playing under to a large extent, you know, and um, and just like it, it just it, I thought it was re- like for a, such a cringe comedy, like it's just so deep in. Like if you watch it looking for culture notes, you will not find a better TV show, and it's just all about that interpersonal stuff and like the X's and O's don't matter. Like the stuff, the stuff around. And like, so Ted Lasso, it's constantly into work, coach, come home, have a coffee, go to sleep, be sad about the fact that you're not with your family, cycle again. That's, that's the kind of the world he's living in, you know, and um, apart from the odd trip to Liverpool or whatever, like, um. So, you
1: imagine, like, when you do, you start to compare, like, what must you hear stories of maybe Bielsa sleeping in his office in Leeds and um, other coaches, and you're trying to see, like, the coaching side of things, you'd love to see what they're doing away from, or like, you'd love to be a fly in the wall for for a premiership player, your, your Ronaldos, or even your coaches, and just see. From a 24 hour cycle, what it's like to be in a day for, for those guys, like, um, and even probably the Tottenham documentary with Mourinho gave a little bit. But again, as you said, sitting in an odd hell room away from family, that, you know, it's all in, all or nothing to be the best coach you can be. But if you're taking away the, the personal side of things, missing family and being away from home for the sake of it. It, it it just doesn't work, and I suppose when you see your probably new generation of managers like your your clubs probably and and your Peps in a way that they seem to have a bit more of a more rounded um, approach on things, and I suppose that's something with when you're talking about your your elite Premiership teams and your soccer that it's so money driven that it's almost like there's no time to to include that side of things. Do you know, it's probably going off a, a six month 12 year or 12 month cycle with most managers that like if you're doing two or three years you're in a job a fair length of time um, that it doesn't last too long
3: yeah, yeah I know Paul you touched on it before about the the, the impact that it can have on coaches um, just being involved and I'm sure we can all relate to having to tell herself or tell somebody that oh, I won't be there for that and having to deal with a small bit of a fallout but but I think it it is getting more. Um, I think you mentioned Cody Royal before Paul and his book and stuff like that. Um, but it, it is coming more into the subconsciousness of of coaches about looking after themselves. And like when you look at America now, and you got like Sean McVeigh, I don't know that he mentioned. I can't, I'm trying to recall now that he mentioned something about hanging up boots fairly soon. You know, and he's only I think I don't know if he hit 40 yet. But you know that the intensity and the levels of pressure that he's under, and you got Brad Stevens with the Celtics mid-40s hanging up the boots you know just getting out of that game and even even now players like I you know draymond green in the golden state warriors let's say he was on about playing christmas day basketball and he saying i got kids at home and i got to go away and play a basketball match on christmas day it's ridiculous you know so i think people are getting more more aware that we're not just players and coaches are not just a commodity to be used and abused um but but it's 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 going to take a long time to change in the in the GA in particular, just because of our volunteer organisation and there's no real support structures in place for coaches, you know, um, to supposed to look for help and to get a bit of help and to direct them into areas where they could get some supports to help them.
0: But I think Colin, that's life in general at the moment, even in, in the work environments where people have been say working at home the last couple of years that they know there's more to life than just work as in being stuck in a car for a couple of hours a day or doing like being like a nine-to-five job or whatever it is that people now want to spend more time with their families have that choice the work-life balance etc so i think that's um something that's going to happen in the future for like maybe not so much for us but say say probably the next generation coming up, they're going to be used to be working from home or taking a couple of days here and there, or not being stuck to a routine. And I can see that then developing into the sport if people and in coaching, if people aren't enjoying it or getting something out of it in terms of satisfaction, they're going to say, "What's the point? Why why are we doing this?" Um, so they're going to step back at it. So I think you're going to see, hopefully, coaches in it for the right reasons in the future in terms of. Being there, trying to enjoy themselves, trying to help others, and also that they are feeling like they're getting something from
3: it. Yeah, and like even from a player's perspective, Mickey. Like just, uh, like uh, you know, like during lockdown there in, in the first lockdown and the second lockdown in that summer, like I seen more videos and snapped or videos of players, intercounty players away in holidays and stuff like that, than I ever seen before. And like I'd say, for a lot of people, it was probably the first time that a lot of these fellas were probably able to reset a small, but that, like, they're probably on development squads in 14 year-on-year-on-year, on year on year, matches, 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 matches. And this is the first time then you've got a concerted time off. No club, no county. Well, you're obviously probably looking after yourselves. But, like, I'd say there was a huge sort of switch, came with a lot of intercounty players around that time, was there? Or do you think?
1: Yeah, I think so. And, it, you know, what? Like, people want to see that, want to see that. Like, at the end of the day, GA players... No more than any professional athlete. On uh, on top of that, that they're normal. Like there's nothing. Okay, like there are little things that they're doing consistently on a regular basis that have kind of brought them to whatever level. But there's a there's a norm normal side uh, to things too that people like to switch off and do the same things. Um, and I suppose the the thing wish. The, the lockdown is that it, it gives that opportunity that, you know, right, okay, I don't need to be. And you see teams talking, oh, well, we're training six days a week or seven days a week, doing something every single day. Like, I'm probably at the stage now where, Jesus, no, like, that, like, mentally just completely fried if that's the case. And um, I love, I'd prefer to go a double day or, and do two or three sessions in the one day. That you could have an extra day off that you know you can actually sit down in the evening and be home for the evening and i think most people whether that be sport or life in general you you'd put in the extra hours uh, and work four tough days in the week to get an extra day off at the end Um, and i I think that's the big thing and i suppose the other thing is that people start to uh, the, the work, the, the risk and reward, the reward getting out of all the time that you put in and I suppose that resilience side of things, that's the other side that starts to creep in and probably see it ourselves at the moment that you're trying to get uh, young lads to commit to a, a panel and this is why and you're like, oh, you just that, it is, that's the why, that's just, you know, do it and, you know, like young lads now, like, like they're going to question, like why are we, why are we running up this hill twenty times? Why are we, you know? And rightly so. Like you kind of have to be able to explain, all right, this is why we're doing it. It's not. I saw a video going up on Twitter. There It's like, oh, this will stand here. Uh, this will win championships. <laughs> running the snow over the weekend or something like that, up and down. And was it a video of guys jumping in mud or pulling tires and just pure slog? And, and you know, like there is that line of you need to build resilience, um, and then there is that pure manic stuff to kind of just to be seen to do something totally off the grid. Like so, I think there's they're striking that balance, and I suppose that does come down to good coaching and good uh, understanding and personal skills too. That you not this kind of dictatorship of we're doing this if you don't do it you're either with us or against us approach
3: yeah very good uh, one of the things I really like about Ted Lasso and it was throughout all the seasons and uh, half breakdown no matter what was thrown at him he just got on with it took it as didn't throw the out of the pram didn't start whinging and crying about everything just said yeah Grant look we'll make do with it we'll get by Um, and I love that outlook from him that like you see it an awful lot. Of, like, and I'm sure we can all think of people in the dressing rooms that have been with us and selectors and stuff like that, that, jeez, if anything goes wrong, it's like the end of the world. But having that positive outlook, how that impacted on his players and stuff like that was hugely important, I thought, throughout
1: the, throughout both series. Yeah, I probably, even looking at it, like it, the kind of fake it, you make it kind of positively... On things like even they're walking down the street um first thing in the morning and the abuse just been hurled at him and he's like reads it with a smile and yeah taking that on board everything is just yeah okie dokie handy dandy ready to go and you're kind of thinking can you actually can can it be that much of water off a duck's back, or you know are those little things just creeping in creeping in eventually because you can Definitely the, the positivity side of things, it's, it's great to keep it that way, but you're just wondering, just beating down, beating down, that side of things. Um, I was, when you're watching it, you're just seeing, it's like, oh, could you be that kind of positive and, and kind of keep keep all, all that stuff out the whole time? Like, it, do you know, if your, your, your actual managers now are getting that amount of abuse, do you think it's just, ah, oh, yeah, that's just Australian one year out the other?
2: One of the one of the great scenes on on a similar team as that was when they were in the pub and one of the lads goes, "There's that Ted Lasso wanker, right?" And then another one of them says something nice about him. He goes, "Hang on, don't be don't be humanizing him. I want to be able to abuse him with a clear conscience, like." And it's just just that's very much the the, the way of it, you know, in in soccer and and, and unfortunately it is like. You know, it's actually happening with referees quite a bit at the moment, and like it's it's completely over the top, and like the, the abuse, particularly the weekend just gone that that a referee got following following a game was just it's wrong, like, and and it just shouldn't be happening, and but, like yes, it shouldn't be happening in soccer, but you're going well, yeah, they have hundred grand a week that they're going home, and that's some little bit of a solace for them. But the carry-on at the moment, that, that's going kind to of seeping in, particularly on Twitter, and I actually really enjoy Twitter, but some of it that's seeping in is just wrong. Like,
1: Yeah, and, and it does, it comes in waves, doesn't it? Um, like, it, it takes something to kind of flare flare things up to actually realise. And, and it, like, the referee side of things has been going on for a long time, and probably not enough has been done to, to kind of, probably promote and to to probably get younger younger people involved in refereeing, um, and one of the things that in the AFL that they they're big on trying to recruit ex players to to referee games, um, and that's something that never really is kind of taken off here or isn't really something, um, that too many you'd imagine would be interested or um, you see happening. But imagine ex players, they've been there to know it, um. And it, it's something, an avenue that could be looked into because what happens with with referees and and probably coaching as well, um, it small town side of things, it 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 gets through, it, it hits home an awful lot more um in the GA, I think, um than in in other environments or other setups. And say
0: okay, so coming from say the AFL where you were over there. Um, looking in as an outsider, like it looks like the referees probably have that bit more respect of the players on on the pitch. Like you wouldn't get away with saying
1: what's say on the pitch over here to a referee. No, definitely not. And you see, it's like probably soccer has a lot to answer for in the way referees are, are treated and let go. Like if a Premiership referee decides to whip out a red card there, like even watching the Leeds Man United game, I think Rafinha squared up and he, the look in his eye that was going to take the head off the ref. And if if he if he produced the red card um for for something like it it doesn't happen. You don't see it. You don't see referees just um been able to defend themselves at all. They just have to stand there and take whatever's coming um which is wrong. And I think that kind of does creep into other sports then um like rugby and the AFL are probably the two sports that you kind of look at it, it's like oh there is there is a huge respect there for referees and, and why um is the big thing or what are they doing whether it's coming into the dressing room beforehand um or whether it's uh, just the rules are so clear and and probably followed
2: to letter law that, that helps things like that thing you mentioned there about um we'll say retiring players going into refereeing like I thought the that- how they deal, dealt with Roy Kent retiring, doing a small bit of punditry, and then like his athletic identity was that important that he ended up back into coaching, you know. Um and I do think it is worthwhile trying to have that kind of avenue into into refereeing because like you do see a small bit of like obviously X Y and Z is going on. I'm not talking about off the ball but on the ball real subtle things that are happening that if you haven't played the game, you wouldn't even know that they're happening. You know, whereas whereas an ex-player coming in, it'd know and understand that. But, like, and just going back to that, right, Kent thing again, like, that was really well done because, like, they dealt with a really serious issue for retiring. retiring, And, like, yes, they done it in a, a comedic manner, but, like, it was deep again. Like, it was very much, look... This he's he's struggling with his identity. This is the his whole life was wrapped up in this, and now it's completely gone. Like even when you start off where he was dropped for that last game of the season, they were building towards it, weren't they? Like yeah. they built it up that
1: he was starting to lose his form, he was starting to lose his speed, injuries creeping in, everything that he had to do, kind of the young guys kind of catching up i him. Like, yeah, there's a lot like, of similarities. <laughs> but,
2: like as well, as well, like and like even the way We'll say Jamie Tart was talking about and going, "Osha, oh, sure, you used to be this and you used to be that," you know. And I, I thought, like again, like if you really look under the bonnet of the humor of the show, it's just fuck, it's just so powerful. Like, yeah, it Absolutely. is. Mossy's laughing at me there, but it is Mossy. I'm laughing,
0: I'm laughing. I couldn't have to edit this for tonight.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Leave it in. <laughs> but it 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 is like there's there's. Funny too, like if when you try to sit down and write down the few bits and pieces that come from it, like you're after like the, the retirement side of things. There, um you know like there's so many kind of subplots and stories going on. um you know uh, like the Jamie Tard side of things, a whole a whole uh, different different box there as well. And Roy Kent, Nate, Nate as well, and then Coach Beer as well is probably the darkest of the whole lot um that it was kind of got very dark um like you, there's a couple of episodes there where you're like okay the comedy side of things is gone completely here now what's what's going on here um that and i think that's what probably makes it so good is that it shows the two sides of everyone um and i think that's that's what probably has people gripped um on it that it it's not just the the fancy flash football side of things Like it's showing what's happening Away from it and everyone has that other Side uh, and their Demons that they're battling um, And I think that's why you start to have Maybe a comparison With different characters or, or The similarities that start to You start to to see um, That There's the, the ones you like and I don't Think there's too many characters that you don't like Because you've got that both sides Of them
2: yeah, yeah, Mickey, I think like You do get to see both sides of them But I think the, the thing for me about the show Is just the good Overshines everything In the show Like You know on a show, you, you, like, you look at it and go Oh yeah, I actually really like them and I hate Them, like, yeah, who's the bad guy Yeah, like, with the exception of Nate, maybe Everyone yeah. else,
0: just no, the, the, the only bad guy in it is the owner of uh, yes, yeah yeah that's the only the only even Nate you know, is, still uh, like okay. it
2: if you still like it a few things he's upped it
0: <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> well, okay. like, you could pick you could pick any character in the show and just watch them and the relationships with Ted mm. and you pick up so much from it like the way how he dealt with Rebecca um how he dealt <laughs> with uh, Coach Beer, how he dealt with Nate whatever whatever relationship he had in right Kent but he, like, he dealt with people like that's, that's what he did he dealt with people himself and in what way how could he get them on his not even his side but he listens to them he for, always forgave first if there was an incident that something did wrong he was willing to forgive and forget about it like, it was just like I take something out of the show there that he used the, the term goldfish and I use yeah. it in matches and speeches all the time now. Uh, like the first time I used it I started laughing because I think I'm thinking here and <laughs> now, where am I getting this from? <laughs> and it's just like, something goes wrong in the pitch, I shout out, it's gorefish, you know, just forget about it, get on with things. And it's, um, it's just, it's just such a good show. Like, I'm sure people are going to write papers about it, about how he deals with relationships and how he deals in coaching and stuff down the line. But it's just, it's just top class. I just can't wait for the next series, to be honest.
2: Like you see, you see the the element there. So, Jamie Tard is obviously the best player on the team when he was there initially. <laughs> But he was such a bad influence and negative about the place. And how Ted Lasso dealt with Roy Kent's hatred for him. And like it was all like, what are you gonna do about this fella? And he he kind of he didn't make a decision straight away, looking at how things were going, and kind of eventually it was he got Roy Kent to do something now. Roy Kent probably went over the top, but he got, he got him to he he got the players to to work towards solving things, you know. And it was just it was just interesting because he was all like again that's not he wasn't making the decision quickly that would have solved the issue. Now he was looking to get to the solve it a bit more long term and get to the root of it, and it was good.
1: Yeah, and even the, the what do you call it the the Mexican guy? Um, what's his first name? can even think oh, for yeah. his name. Um, football is life, that was all, That uh, until he killed the dog and then it was, <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of sums up an awful lot of what happens, that everyone's so engrossed and that was football, his life was his mantra and then hang on a minute, uh, it kind of, it just kind of uh, summed up an awful lot of. All, all the different characters that um, everyone's so engrossed in things, but then when when things go bad or or things aren't going your way, it, it's not the be all and end all either. I had to sing
3: his song in my head to remember.
1: Danny Rojas. Danny, Danny Rojas. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Rojas. <laughs> yeah,
3: but like, like I, I suppose it does go back to the whole thing that about um, coach the person, not the sport, you know. And in every walk of life, and it was just again, it's interesting. Like we can, like, you know, he's had difficulties or you could imagine difficulties with the chairperson and with this person and this person, but he just built relationships with everybody. And I, and like you mentioned, Paul, about the, like we've seen the good and bad of everybody, but, but it gave everybody a chance to shine their good is what he did. Um, he was able to build that environment that, that Jamie Tart eventually was able to come around to be a part, a team player. Um, and even remember the, remember the two boys that were Jamie's buddies at the start that were kind of doing the bullying with him a small bit like he even empowered them as it went on to start making up their own mind because of the actions of, of that they put in place throughout the, throughout the group you know um, and it was just really important It really impressive the way that like he had just such a wide array of players and personalities and he was able to deal with them all it wasn't just it wasn't like an old coach only dealing with the older players, the more experienced players in the squad and forget about the young fellas or vice versa. Uh, a new coach coming in and you're only working with the young players and forgetting about the fellas that are gonna be gone in two years time, you know? He was able to just work with everybody, which which is probably, I'd say it's probably one of the flaws that a lot of coaches might have, is being able to bridge that gap of talking to the 36 year old with three kids and uh, the 19 year old who's doing their leaving cert. Like it's a huge gulf in, in their lifestyle um, but to be able to bridge that gap as a communicator is really, really important. Yeah,
1: and like, I don't know, when you, when you see that and, and see the, the different places and countries players are coming from, you're kind of thinking to yourself, how do some premiership managers do it with the language barrier, with... And um, it, it's I don't know how like even you your you I'm a Leeds fan so I'm looking at the translator there you're just wondering alone as you said that a nineteen year old to a thirty six year old there's a fair difference and um, what you say uh, to a nineteen year old and a thirty six year old and how you approach them are has to be an awful lot different and um, but the the language barrier is something that. Uh, I always wonder how it works in the dressing room. I'd imagine Paul would probably be the closest
3: to help most there, but he's uh, dealing with fellows from all over the country in the in the inside in college. Um, but I will always remember like, just that language barrier. I was uh, I was living with a fellow from Donegal in college, and. <laughs> You can imagine the difference so though in a Cork accent, a Donegal accent, but we found a medium somewhere that uh, other people were Hanford, <laughs> but, yeah. in Longford, was it? Yeah. Longford is an old, Longford is an old draw. There's no real accent in Longford. They're just uh, one of the flat-spoken ones. But uh, it, it was interesting. It, it is an interesting thing. Like, and as you said, like, just like even an American sports note, I'd follow, like you'd see the amount of backroom staff they actually have, that a lot of the players have a kind of individual coach. Now, I know in soccer, they don't have that, but they probably have so many people. That like that, Mickey. You've got these three fellas. Make sure you're in touch with them constantly. You're on top of them, like, and and it's something that I suppose we we spoke about it before. about utilizing your backroom team to to do that for you, as I said, if if you don't know how to talk to a 19 year old or 36 year old, there's somebody in your backroom team can do that. Like, and and I suppose that's what I liked about Coach Beard as well is he kind of had that sounding board with him all the time. That was just didn't agree with him and everything, but was just always there for when questions need to be asked and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and they're probably... It, it's not the good cop, bad cop either approach. Like, it's not as clear-cut as that between the two. That you know they're... Um, it, I don't know how you describe their relationship um, as a coach and assistant coach, that they seem fairly... Um, they, they'll check each other if, if either is out of line but they, they just work really well and it does show the importance of having having a good right hand man or you know someone that you trust in in that role. Um you know that it it's it's a two person like two person job. Okay, get your manager and then fill in the the, the spaces after that, that it's not just a, a one man show when it comes to management. I think the key word there is you trust. Like they had a, such a
0: good relationship that they trust each other. They could talk about anything. There was no right or wrong in terms of uh, hierarchy or anything like that. Um, if there was a need to have a disagreement, they'd have a disagreement, but they wouldn't fall out about it. And they, the real good thing about the both of them looked out for each other in terms of if Weird was having a bad time or if uh, Ted was having a bad time, they were there for each other. And I thought it was a, it was a brilliant relationship. Um, throughout the show there, but it was um.
1: Is there right, a real kind of? It, it's a real lads' relationship too, though. Like when they were there for each other up until a certain point, it was like, okay, just leave him. He needs his own space. Kind of yeah, like they knew each other. Yeah. yeah, there was like, right. He needs to just go and do his own thing. Let him off. I think there was it's one episode after a game. Yeah, it's a pity he didn't pull him back for that
0: for that time because it was the worst episode. <laughs> oh, there was no it. He just said, "Beer, come back. Forget about the night out." <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah i'll need a Massey. one of the one of the other things i really liked as well and just from a player's perspective um and like i suppose like look we, we've all been aware of of tragedies within our own with our own communities and stuff like that but um it was something that it probably didn't take too much notice of but higgins doing the christmas dinner uh for everybody and it's you know it's it's a time when people can be really vulnerable and whatnot and and there's other times in the year when people can be vulnerable for various reasons be a person or whatever but just you know something like that just to pull in the person who might be straggling on the outside just for that one day and like higgins obviously higgins, look higgins is just a comical character he was there he was a bit of a buffer for a bit of abuse and stuff like that but but it was it just a really kind of nice thing that you see that like you know a lot of clubs do a lot of things for, for their players and for the community and stuff like that but it was just great to see that on, on as i said christmas day when they could just all get to somewhere safe and somewhere comfortable you know and and i just think it's something that we probably underestimate with, with adults a, a lot of the time is that a lot of the time it just needs somebody to be there with them um and it's something that that the ga and fairness to the community health program and all that kind of stuff are much better at and the, the, it's not just the on field stuff is there, but it's, yeah, I just thought that was a just really nice touch in it as well. That you're kind of going, like, I'd love to know the writers, where did they get all this content from? Like, what yeah. a rare background to be able to pick up this content and think, this is what a coach should be like, like, and this this, this is their environment they should create. Like, I just thought it was you know, it's really wholesome in that regard. You
2: know, one thing and on an environment thing that, I think is going to start coming into we'll say club minor or club under 20 teams you know and now it was very comedic the way they done it in the show you know the, the haircut scene where there's all a big a big song and dance about a haircut but like everyone gets a haircuts and you can see I oh, clearly need at the moment right Mossy's brand how he is at the moment but like, if you got, like, and, and there's a lot of fellas kind of dabbling out into, into haircuts now. Like, if you had a team together for three or four hours and they were getting haircuts and there was a bit of messing, because like, young lads, not us now, but young lads are mad into getting their hair done now. Mickey maybe a little bit. He looks well on the screen. Oh, now. there's
1: greys coming. I got the championship haircut for the for the, for the, the storm coming. And
2: um, But, like, you, you know what? If you had 10 lads together off a team and... The, the day or th- the the week of championship, they're they're giving each other championship haircuts. You get a bit of crack out of it as well,
1: like. The the podcast too, or the, the kind of the idea of guys going to train and been uh, been videoed, kind of having those conversations with someone on the way to training, or even in a barber shop, the three or four guys in before, like that. That kind of side of things, definitely you can can imagine it. Um, but the, the thing that that kind of got me with uh, with Higgins was that um he was the probably fall guy in the club. He was always the guy that was kind of put down and knocked down. But when it went to his his environment, his home, he was the king of the ring. He was he he was the main man and like he was holding it all together. He was and usually it was the other way around for everyone else. Like they were in the club and they were the, they were the shit. And then when they walked away from the club and went home, it was like that's when everything was falling to pieces around them. And Whereas he was the opposite way around. It was like he was the family man and then went to the club and kind of got the corners knocked off him a little bit. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a, a different approach or a different different side that you were expecting for his character. Yeah, I, don't think, I think there's people probably in
3: in every club that's kind of like that you know they kind of do a lot of the donkey work around the place and they mightn't get much uh, respect in the in the field setting let's say but but there's there what they can offer outside that is huge you know and i'm not just about like inviting phyllis christmas dinner and stuff like that but you know just being that support network um, being able to just kind of keep an eye on things is, is very important you know and it's uh, it's great to see As I said it was great to see in the show um, I took him in too though didn't he? like Ted look after him he him into the diamond dogs and he was just, he was just <laughs> so it was
0: just more so Rebecca who was just I don't you know I'm going to turn it back on against tonight.
3: get <laughs> <laughs> away with it um, so what, what else was there anything else in particular that you, you liked from Ted Lasso lads, that you know that you kind of either took with you or you think is out there for learning for other people
2: it, there's a couple of one-liners that are really good for me right and obviously there was very little coaching in it but there, there was one episode and he goes we're going doing the exorcist because this exercise is all about control and possession <laughs> and like geez I tell you it, it, it's rarely I laughed as much at, at, at a scene because just the way he described it and like I, similar to Mossy, I have used that once since, um, which I thought was was very good. The second thing is, so like when, when, when they lost at the end of Series series 2, you know, like they were laughing at the end when things had gone astray. You know, the team were collectively laughing together. And like that's a real good sign of a team that are after investing in something completely and now they're after giving as much as they can and the result is the result. You know, and 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 like them things happen, like where like some teams go into a championship and they're not going to win it. But if you get the most out yourself, that like get more out yourself this year than you did last year, then that's a good sign. And the last thing is, I really liked the books element within within the show. Like, so Coach Beard was always reading books and the one he was reading in the first episode is actually called "Inverting the Pyramid. It's kind of a, a tactical kind of performance analysis soccer book and it's really worth reading, you know. Um, and then I loved when really loved and I don't know how you could go about it because it takes such such amount of care and precision to do it right. When, when Ted gave everyone a book each, you know, a book that he thought would be meaningful for them i thought that was thought that was really good
0: brilliant there was uh, two things i took from it there is um Well, we talked about before but like people are different every person is different in the dressing like jamie tart came along with this like real confident persona and he was like the main man but underneath it he was like a lost little boy and how ted so, I gave him the confidence, not not so much on the pitch, but in life to come out of a shell and be a better person. But I thought that was brilliant. But also, um, one thing for any coach um, is that be happy. Be happy when you're there. Have that positive attitude when you're training. Don't nothing's the end of the world if you lose a match. So what? You get on is another match in the next couple of weeks or whatever it is. But when you're training, you know, portray that you're enjoying it, that you're happy. And if you are, your players will bounce off you a little bit more and respect you a little bit more to be probably you're more approachable that way rather than the person with the looks like they got stung in the mouth by a wasp and a wasp call them not a wasp. What do you call it? Call wasp wasp. But just be happy when you're training there because it could be it could be doing something a
1: lot worse. Yeah, it's it's I saw something today and it kind of probably it kind of hit home the Ted Lasso side of things that 90% of the coaching is helping people get out of the way of themselves. And it was like, that was why he had no background in soccer and why someone like that could actually do well, that it's seeing the good in everyone. And by doing that, he was helping them get out of, get out of their way because I think seeing the good in everyone and that kind of approach um, coming by being happy and just kind of getting all the people and kind of trying to see that side to people really helped to to coach um, and I think there's more to coaching than all those the X's and O's and the training sessions it's it's the 15-20 minutes before a session and the 15 or 20 minutes after a session and it's the one-to-one conversations that you can have um, And I suppose that's something that I've probably really noticed from the teaching side of things that a PE side, a teacher, you can have that conversation on Monday morning with someone, uh, how'd your game go at the weekend? And, you know, did you win? And how'd you get on? And, And then right. Okay. It's having that time to be accessible and approachable. And if, if you are happy and as you said, not carrying that wasp in your mouth, you are more likely to have those conversations and, be more approachable and kind of approach players with those little chats that eventually build up the trust and build up those relationships that when it comes to the crunch, all those different relationships built up and trust built up that everyone is kind of all on the same page or that they feel like they're they're trusted and cared for. And at the end of the day, that's that's what your coaching is. Very good. And I suppose just... Uh come
3: back and one of the things I mentioned earlier about just just taking trying to take a positive out of every situation you know we can all it's gassed away two people can react completely different to to something that happens you know um and and just being as I said kind of I think we're all kind of speaking about the positivity of it and just being 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 that kind of influential happy person that's that people want to be around I think more than anything else you know um I think that that's probably as as much as you can get out of it but uh, I'm sure we could do a, a session based an episode by episode breakdown on the, the exact ins and outs of Ted Lasso. Um anyway, pull that in for the next midterm, Mickey maybe. Um but just like as that's said, a summer holiday one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just like for anyone who hasn't watched it yet, like just just give it a shot. It's on Apple TV. Um I'm sure you'll be able to find some dodgy box as well or something like that, but it's, it's you know, just... The
0: best, of advice, the best bit of advice you can have is sign up to Apple TV for a week's trial and you'll have <laughs> you never the, whole two series, the whole two series watched in 12 hours and you could literally just sit in your arse for the day and you'll get through it. Sit and if you, Even if you want
3: to just watch it with your wife or partner or whatever it is, they'll enjoy it as well. It's yeah,
0: just
3: well worth tr- it. Trick them into thinking that it's uh, something they picked as opposed to you. Um,
2: a, friend, a friend of mine uh, I've been telling him to watch it for there for the last few weeks So he's been trying to convince the wife To watch it And what she said to him was If Paul likes it I definitely won't <laughs> right? That's how it was described Right And so eventually he got her to do it And they ended up watching four episodes straight away On the bounce It's class
3: I, I'd so like I'd Like to think, no, Paul, that we could limit down who that might be, but I'd say a lot of wives have a similar sentiment for some reason. <laughs> yeah. um, it's also have the sentiment that they're not allowed out at night time. I'd say, We're slandering the man here now, we're slandering man. No, ah, uh, yeah, but look, as I said, it's, it's just like as I said, look, anyone give it, give it a look, as I said, from a coaching perspective, there's so much uh, positive stuff out of it, it really is. Um, I know there was one article I seen, and I didn't actually read it back when I was, I don't know, was I trying to get a screenshot or something um, for it, but it was uh, why Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso will never win a championship or something like that, you know? Um, and it's just, you know, it's probably that old archaic thing. You have to be fucking tough and you have to be mean and, you know, all this nicely, nicely doesn't work. I mean, like, sometimes it does, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe some of these coaches that maybe, like I said, Jim Gavin or Jim McGinnis, maybe they were the nicest people in the world, but, you know, they give off a persona to the media that's different, Um but the players might have something to say about it. But it's just, as I said, it's uh it's definitely something, to, something to, to keep track of when season three comes out because um, I'm sure there'll be plenty more nuggets. But as I said, I still have that last question of, where did the boys get the content to make this show? Um, and I know that like we've we've read the book. Um, what's that? Bear uh, Bear Tone. I don't know if you read it, Mickey. Bear Tone. It's um, no. it's a Swedish Swedish writer, I think. But again, uh, the... Eric. And again, like Liam Morgan said about that, he goes, Where did your man get the content to actually write that book? Like where did he learn so much about coaching that he was able to put that book together and put it out there for the world to read, you know? And they're kind of going like the same with this. I kind of go, what's the background here? Because as far as I know, Bear the Beard and Ted Lasso are major producers and writers in the show. So who are the other people in the background? Similarly,
1: are- Roy Kent and the guy that plays Roy Kent, he was one of them. And then he actually auditioned for that role. I was just reading a bit today yeah. about it. And it was like he ended up thinking, right, sure, I'm as well playing this role myself because he's pretty much created the, the role and auditioned for it and thought he was great. So there's obviously a load of heads that have kind of came together from different kind of Shapes or forms that are after doing that. So, but you you think that they must have a serious knowledge uh, or background in in sport uh, to be able to produce all those different uh, different storylines. Yeah,
3: so we'll have to research that before season three kicks off. Um, so that's great. Look, Mickey, thanks very much for your time. Um, do you want to throw your Twitter handle? There? I look, as I said, I know you were sharing a lot of content there before. Stuff uh, it's like MickeyQ06, I think very good and you're flat
1: out into the intercounty season now yeah flat to the mat um, got a bit of a week's break there uh, well they're the ones that you don't want um, but it kind of probably fell probably in our favour this weekend not having a game that we can actually regroup and, and go again with a few injuries and bits and pieces so um, I think we could be looking at five games on the bounce now so um, yeah look at the league is um, where it's at, really, for a lot of teams, and it's it's enjoyable because uh, everyone's all, all on a level par um, yeah. and you don't know whether you could be in a relegation or promotion battle uh, up until the last two two games of the league. You're not sure where you're ending up.
3: Well, look, best luck, and uh, we'll be keeping keeping track, and hopefully it's the promotion as opposed to relegation battles. We're in, so uh, best luck for the for the year ahead. Cheers, Mickey. Thanks like very that. much, Ben. Thank you. We are into Season 5 now, so thanks to everyone who has listened so far. We would be grateful if you would take the time to give us a retweet on Twitter or just share it with your friends. It would also be great if you give us a 5-star review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean a lot to us and we really appreciate it. Hope you all had a great week, and we will talk to you next year. See you next week, everybody.